वेलकम एवरीबडी टू द फर्स्ट एपिसोड ऑफ रॉकलाज रेडियोज टॉक शोज टूडे वी हैव विद अस अ फेमस आर्टिस्ट आर्ट हिस्टोरियन अ वेरी अकम्पलिश्ड इन रियल लाइफ आर्टिस्ट एंड सक्सेसफुल एन एफ टी क्रिएटर कोलोरा दावा कोलियान Oh my god, you did that too. Thank you so much. Um I'm here to answer all of your questions. That would be actually really glad to finally talk about who I am, what I've been doing and what I've written so far, what I've done and everything. Absolutely. All, all the achievement. <laughs> For our podcast listeners uh and others here, this session is going to be divided into two three parts. first we'll get to know about uh, golora personally her story and her journey as an artist then we'll get into the art history aspects and our works into arts and nfts and history and take in some question have a what is a rapid fire round and so on and so forth and let's see where the branches turn out in the conversation so welcome everybody once again if you are uh, hearing this and you want to follow golora links have been mentioned in the description and uh, you can all the links to her link tree as well as the links to her articles twitter and all those links are available here if you want to join this conversation next time with next episode please follow rocklaz on clubhouse and stay tuned awesome welcome once again golora how are you today Oh, thank you so much. I've been actually having a wonderful day. I started my day in a really good mood. So, thank you. Thank you actually for inviting me over to talk about my words. Amazing. Thank you for coming. It's uh, it's an honor to have and uh, somebody some artist and historian of your stature to come for the inaugural episode of our talk show. So, thank you. Thanks to you. <laughs> Oh it's my pleasure. Um how are you? <laughs> I am good. I'm good. Uh doing this I'm feeling happy. So <laughs> uh, isn't it amazing? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay so Golora please could you introduce yourself and tell us about you and your journey as an artist? Oh sure of course. Okay my name is Golora Tavakoyan. I'm an Iranian painter. I was born in 1991. and uh i studied graphic design and art studies or in the other name uh, art history um and it's been almost 4 years that i actually moved to istanbul turkey and uh, since then i live here and um what i can tell you that i have tried so many fields and so many majors um from graphic design to museology to art history and right now it's painting and uh to be more specific it's more nfts so it's been almost 10 11 months that i've been involved with uh, nft world and ever since i have focused on it and trying to create and also at the same time um you know share all the things that i've learned to my persian community so um about march i 
you know, I started learning about NFTs, even though I heard about it in 2018, while I was doing some uh, artworks, I had an exhibition and someone came to me and he said that I love your artworks and I want to buy some of them. And I said, oh, of course, that would be like amazing that you want to uh, actually collect not only one, uh, but few more. And he said, yeah, I want to buy 20 of your artworks. And I was like, what? And he said, yeah. And uh, do you mind if I pay you by Bitcoin? And I was like, what? What is Bitcoin? And I'm talking about 2018. And that time I was like so focused on history of art. And as I said, I was working in a museum. It was time museum full of antique furnitures and cogs and etc. in Iran. And when he said Bitcoin and I said, I have honestly no idea what is it. So later I started learning about it by asking my brother and some friends. And uh, they said, this is amazing that you're gonna be paid by crypto. And I said, okay, I'm gonna go for it. And so um, long story short, I sold my artworks, 20 of them to a collector by Bitcoin. And uh, six months later, I decided to move out. I, I decided to move to uh, Istanbul, Turkey. And that's also a quiet journey and uh, quite an story. But um, to, to just say that uh, six months later, when I moved to Istanbul, I met someone who's actually uh, was specialized in blockchain and he told me about NFTs. That was the first time I heard about NFTs and specifically about like what's the affection of NFTs on blockchain and you know um, this and I was like oh this is interesting but this story honestly was too good to be true that moment for me so I decided to pass and but always it was part of you know my mind just a little I had like little tiniest spot for it in my mind but um in 2021 in the beginning of 2021 when i heard again about nfts and i was like oh my god that was the thing that one of my friends actually told me once and wow this is the moment and since i was quite familiar that time with uh, the cryptos i said okay and i remember almost um, no one knew about NFTs in my Persian community and uh, there were only very, very few people like Dear Ali Sabat or Dario Deseno, which is half part Iranian, I think, and some very little more people. And I said, okay, I'm going to actually share whatever I learned to my Persian community. So this is how I started opening the first and you know, the biggest uh, Persian cops uh, called as NFT Art Society to talk about NFTs with my Persian community. And it was like a quite a breaking moment for many people who actually heard about NFTs. And I felt like, okay, I moved to another country. There were so many, I had so many hard times in my own country, so many good and so many bad at the same time, struggling about selling my artworks and being uh, um, actually uh, an independent artist is quite 
hard, especially in Middle Eastern countries, when you want to pursue your dreams to to do like figurative art, for example, you know, there are so many things affects and there's so many things comes to your way in order to not helping you to do whatever you want to do. So um, I decided to go against all of these things. I said, okay, you had some sad memories, but this is the time to, you know, give love to, to, to those people who actually maybe uh, never been loved before. So I really wanted to share the, the idea of um, helping each other. And, uh, you know, that gave me the best feeling ever. And I've always wanted to, you know, uh, being a teacher. So that was kind of really helping me out to also uh, making myself, you know, being uh, more happy. Anyways. So that club started in, I think, April. Um, but before that, even in March, I was, you know, being in different rooms with uh, crypto people in Persian community talking about NFTs. But in April, I decided to open that club. So, um, yeah, that's the, you know, summary of who I am, what I've done, especially for the past year. Talking about NFTs, could you share about your projects and uh, give a brief about what you're doing oh, absolutely thank you for asking man uh, tell my the thing is um so when i started studying art history i realized there's a lack of figurative artworks uh, especially um the classical one in our contemporary time many people see this as a weakness but in my opinion it's like uh, it should be highlighted more it should be uh, it should you know get more attention so that's why i felt like we should actually value figurative artworks more so I decided to uh, inspire and actually work on those, let's say, for seventeenth uh, century artworks that right now no one knows about them, or uh, especially in Middle Eastern countries, and many people don't appreciate that much. And I decided to use those figures in order to create something new, in order to create something more contemporary. So I tried to make my own story and uh, I uh, decided to add more stuff into my figures. Um, let's say I um, there is one artwork that I made. It's called a Playus. It I actually wrote the story. It's called actually um, the goddess of games. So the goddess of games is after one of the figures that very well-known uh, French artists in 19th century made it. But I wanted to make it more bold. So I, you know, designed it with a quite different dress. It was black and she's actually has uh, worn a AR, you know, 3D glasses and she's in a different background, stand on a quite, you know, um, large coins and she's holding a, a, an iPhone and also a PS4 um, 
uh, handle. So um, I know the the story that I wrote about, like I try to go into the uh, Greek mythology and created something quite different. Like we know uh, Zeus has a lot of daughters and sons and everything. But this one, uh, this time I decided to actually create another version. I called that uh, Zeus had a daughter named Pleius with a mortal human. So um, I made a new story. I made a new creature. And I'm actually really proud of that. And I've done it so many times with other artworks that I've done. And I decided to actually meet these works on blockchain because I think they should be appreciated more in our contemporary times. So this is what I've been doing. Um, I've done some other works such as Lemoncello. So we know there is no goddess um, called as Lemoncello but I made one and uh, and I named her as Lemoncello and actually minted it on Ethereum blockchain. So yeah, this is what I've been doing on, uh, on my NFTs. But uh, at the same time, I recently joined the Solana, um, um, Solana chain for the very first time, which actually I'm really excited about it. And again, I did a mythological figurative artworks. Thank you. Could you describe uh, to us these uh, the artworks you mentioned, how they might, so people can visualize that and where they can find it on Foundation, on OpenSea or on what platform they can find it? Oh, absolutely. Um, you can find it on my foundation um, profile, uh, foundation.app slash Golara, which is my name. I, I sold this artwork, you know, many months ago. Um, the play use, Lemoncellos, and many. There's only two available on foundation. And uh, those are actually somehow mixed with the history and mythology again. But the first one is called uh, actually Pixelopos. I decided to mix the figurative and the classical artworks with pixels. This is something that I really appreciate to mix things together. Um, and I believe like this is the time we should do uh, in order to get, um, you know, to actually value more artworks in this way. As I said, there are so many artworks uh, belong to the to the to the old times, which are undervalued, and uh, I think we should value them more. Um, yeah, if you want, I can share the link or. Oh yeah, we can pin it on the top. I'll do that. Uh, I've I'll pin your link tree. Until then, I've <laughs> if you look at Showtime, there is this bullish goddess. So there's a goddess riding on a bull. And she has go Bitcoin on her back. <laughs> That's an interesting work. And all other, all of your other works on Showtime, which I'm seeing, are a lot of mythology mixed with current times, and it's very interesting to see that. <laughs> oh yeah, I love mythology, and this is 
this is something that um, I enjoy those stories uh, when the you know science and um, dreams and um, you know uh, all the fictions mixed together and we have done it so many times through our history um, even thousand and thousand years ago we've done it um, since even the caves like we know that they have done so many amazing things and this um, goddess of um, Bitcoin, actually, she's one of the works that I really adore <laughs> because um, the, this is actually a commission work. One of my really dear collectors who actually uh, has got so many of my art works is a um, Polish um, collector. And he asked me to paint him a um, goddess of Bitcoin. So I said, okay. And then I got disappeared for months or two because I was just focusing on what should I do. And after one, one month, I came back to him and I said, the goddess of Bitcoin, this is what I actually wrote to him. The goddess of Bitcoin must be seated on a bull. Like she's always bullish. And he was like, oh my God, this is perfect. You should go for it. So I was working on this piece for several months because I wanted to actually paint it on oil on canvas because he wanted the, you know, the traditional version, the, the you know, the physical artwork and at the same time NFTs. So um, that work had a, quite a journey. And at the end, since he's from Poland, I decided to actually paint a tattoo of a Polish flag on her arm. So if you just zoom in on the goddess arms, you can see actually a very unique eagle, which is actually a flag of a Poland, an old version, of course, and at the same time mytho mythological. So yeah, that's the story. She, she must be bullish. <laughs> Absolutely. I love the concept and your thought process behind it. So uh, talking about thought process, how do you start making art? This was commission work. But in general, how do you what is your thought process? Do you wait for your creative idea? Or do you just start or how, what is your process? Um, honestly, sometimes it depends to my mood. Um, but what is always important for me is to have one figure in the middle of the creation either is a human figure or a cat figure so it's really important for me uh, to have a story with that figure um, I have actually a work it's called Under the Caspian Sea which is, comes from my childhood history I was born in a city near to the Caspian Sea and um, I, uh, I remember I, I was once almost drawn into Caspian Sea. And, you know, Caspian Sea is a very mysterious lake, honestly. It's completely gray and we know it's not connected to any big seas. Um, even though we call it as the sea, but it's like the biggest lake in the world. And... Um, 
the color you see is so unique and so mysterious and many people lost their lives in the Caspian Sea. And, um, you know, I'm from Iran and Iran has like quite a background, quite a um, rich history. So um, in my works, you might see some historical ruins there as in this work as well, like there is a sphinx from Achaemenidian time, a 500 BCE um, work of a statue there, which is also drawn, uh, which is also in the um, under the sea with this lady, which is so different. Like you know, we know mermaids could be in different shapes and forms, and this one is so different. And many people at the beginning was so shocked, like. They actually uh, commented or messaged me like, this is not the way that we should actually portray a mermaid. And I was like, why not? Have you seen one mermaid before? And, you know, mermaid is a mythological creature. <laughs> and they criticized me of not making a normal mermaid. And I was like, what is normal mermaid? So um, there was a story that I want to share is that first I might work on the figure, depends to the version that I'm going for it. Sometimes the works could be really dark or uh, some could be more colorful, but um, I'm so interested in green color. And sometimes I go to my green mood. Um, but at the same time, there is one specific uh, range of pink color that I normally use. Um, but when I go to my dark color, which is actually something that I'm, I think I'm more powerful on it. It's more grayish, uh, kind of, you, you see like there is, uh, there is some inspiration of Caravaggio on it. Of course, I'm just, uh, like a pinky of Caravaggio. I'm not that, you know, professional. What is a Caravaggio? Caravaggio uh, is an Italian artist in 17th century, and he's some. He's one of the person that I uh, I own a lot. Like I am so appreciate of his talent. Like he's the one and only Caravaggio. He had quite a life. He had quite a story. Um, He's seen. He has done so many things in his life. Like he experienced many bad things and good things at the same time, and he passed away when he was very young, um, because that you know uh, he's you know when you read his story, you realize, oh my God, this man was quite an artist and quite a madman at the same time. But seventeenth uh, century's artworks, the Baroque style, uh, has has inspired me so much and um, but my weakness and my artwork which I'm actually trying to learn more and more is to play with more bright color to more colors in my artworks pink green and even blue in my artworks this is something and then uh, that I'm trying to study and learn more so um 
I'm trying to first focus on the figure that I'm trying to use and then I make the background and I might add a little bit of part of history or mythology on it and I try to write the history and at the end I just look back at it and maybe I uh, you know ask a friend's opinion on it maybe not because that happened to me that when I asked someone's opinion, things went worse. So I rather to, you know, keep the, the version more original to be more my own opinion these days. But it has happened before that I asked friends opinion before. Uh -huh. uh, I wanted to ask the next question about your profile picture on Twitter. It's a monkey a lady with a uh, it's a human lady with the face of a monkey so what is the story behind that oh that one I, i've been waiting to talk about that one so this project is called Bored ladies um and uh, this project started literally after the first day of uh, dropping the board ape uh yacht cup uh artworks the og ones um the owner of this Pro, uh, project is one of my dear friends Nova Crypto and she's been working on this project ever since and so far uh, they have uh, dropped uh, three projects like um, the October, November and December. I was part of December and uh, November um, project and uh, we do derivative artworks we do works based on the og apes that she actually owns she owns like four apes um four apes and four um, mutant apes and we try to make artworks based on those og apes the original ones and uh, this latest work of mine this um profile picture that i own is actually based on uh one of her apes and she's actually holding one of the chemistry um chemistry board ape um works which is called m2 so few months ago they um the the board ape club they dropped um three um serums uh, they airdropped them, they gifted to the to their holders. And uh, the first one is called M1, and the second one is called M2, and the third one is called Mega. So in my first um, Board Ape Ladies work, I painted M1 uh, serum in my ape hand. And also she has a tattoo. She has a tattoo of, uh, you know, the logo of the, uh, the OG apes. And, uh, for the, for the second draw, which is actually my profile photo, this lady, since we are really near to Christmas, I wanted her to be more Christmassy. She's holding the M2 serums and she has the cocktail dress and at the same time she's actually wearing a heart shape shades uh, which is inspired after the ape the ape uh, 2051 that i've used so yeah that's the story and there's so many people so many talented artists who actually been working on these derivative arts uh, based on their own 
um, style, uh, which this has made this project very unique. And we are so proud of the ladies who actually uh, join. Of course, um, men and uh, women both can, you know, attend and be part of this um, art residency. But uh, the uh, the apes that we are going to design uh, are should be ladies. So this is something that we are so happy to to share with our, um, you know, um, NFT community. <laughs> Thank you very much. So people listening to this in future, now you know how it started and the story behind it. <laughs> and uh, when it reads the top like board ATR club and the Pixar crypto punks, you'll know what was the story behind it. So it's a good time for you. If you're listening in current, you can go and get it right now, right away. Oh, thank you. So, you know, Golora, our first interaction was with a tweet where you tweeted a question asking, how old is your soul? And uh, <laughs> my reply to that was, older than the mountains, younger than the sea. And your reply was, not that old, but as old as humans started when they started painting. <laughs> so, oh my God. <laughs> yes, I remember. That was a very interesting tweet. Then I got to know that, okay, you are a hard historian and such an interesting thought and amazing person. We should definitely, I definitely want to go in detail about art history and her personal artworks and life. So could you lead us first through your journey as an artist? like your time in Iran, how you decided to become an artist, and then so on and so forth. Oh, thank you. Of course. Um, you know, as long as I remember, I was always interested in art and almost um, no one in my family uh, were artists back then, at least. Um, my mom, she owns actually a beauty salon and my dad's work is connected is about like textile and fabric. So they were like indirectly uh, somehow connected to, you know, visual things. But um, it was never something, you know, directly connected uh, to, to, to the art world. Um, but I remember when I was like four, four or five years old, my dad used to tell me bedtime stories about his trip to Italy, to Florence. And I once, re I remember this, this story specifically when he told me about his, um, the first time he saw the Michelangelo's David work, a statue, and uh, the 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 way that he described it to me was, you could see the blood uh, is still alive into the, the to 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 the um, to the vein of the the, the statue. You, that much he wanted to say, the statue looks alive, and I was like so impressed with those stories. And my dad loves book and. Um, 
he had a small library in our home, uh, which was so, you know, covered with contemporary and some stories about like uh, Charles Dickens or one um, uh, Iranian author, which is right now one of my favorites. Um, the stories are about kids and things like that. And um, so um, my life started like that, but I remember when I was doing paintings, even though I remember they were so simple and so like normal as a kid, but they used to like congrats me so much and giving me the, you know, um, the, the moment of, wow, you did a great job, what a beautiful work. They were like talking to me like that. And so they gave me the energy to continue this journey. And after some years when I got, maybe I got six or seven, I, uh, I was sent to some private, you know, uh, class just to, you know, uh, play with colors and things like that. But uh, when I got um, 14 years old, I was I decided to finally study like art uh, even though I was from a very small town back then in Iran was living in a small town as I said in um, near the Caspian Sea in northern part of Iran I there was no uh, high school class for um, paintings but it was only related to either our architecture or graphic design so I had to choose between architecture and graphic design and I chose graphic design because I felt I can maybe do something with that in the art world while I was studying graphic design in my high school I was going to drawing classes and uh, once I had a really bad experience, to be honest, um, the, the person, the professor that I was, uh, the, per the professor who was teaching me uh, drawing, he, he wanted to, you know, I was underage and he wanted to um, more from me. Uh, so I left the class and uh i cried for several days like i i was so you know only 14 and it was a horrible experience for me that someone wanted more from you um thank god that didn't happen but that made me to forget drawing for several years and uh, I got a stock to graphic design up until the age of 27, 20, 23, 24, when I finished my bachelor degree uh, as a graphic designer. Uh, even though we had some drawing or maybe, um, you know, illustration classes, but I was just doing it because I had to do it. I wasn't doing it by passion. I just wanted to design posters. I had my first international exhibitions in uh, Peru in 2009, but I almost forgot about paintings and drawings. And while I was studying um, graphic design, I felt like there is there's something wrong and I wanted more, but I couldn't remember what is it. I couldn't, you know, gather my thoughts to see what it, what should I do with my life. So, um, after I graduated and I did so many cover arts for many famous um, 
Iranian musicians such as Yas, a very well-known um, Persian hip-hop artist, rapper, or Deves, a very well-known um, and of course underground uh, rock uh, group or some pop artists. After designing those cover arts, I felt, okay, maybe I should do something more with my life. And that's why I decided to study, uh, study uh, art history. And uh, so I started gather all my books. I started like reading every sentence with details and, you know, memorizing um, like so many books and everything, which, which I am so proud of doing so because that was a self-study of entering the, um, you know, the Tehran University of Central Bunch um, back then. And um, while I was studying art history, when I was, I think, 25, I felt like, oh, maybe that's painting that I'm forgetting. So you can't believe it. But after almost 11 years, I finally decided to buy some paints and paint everything which is in my heart. Not because I have to, not because it's something based on my caste, because I have to give it to my professor. I did it for my own and I just faced the, you know, the memory I had when I was 14, that awful experience that I had to go through as a kid. So finally, I faced that fear and I said, you are good enough and you have to do it. And um, this is what maybe you should continue doing in your life. And this is part of your journey. So I started doing paintings. And the first painting I did, uh, it was a lady. She was uh, half naked and uh, one of her breasts had a cut because the, I dedicated to pe this piece to uh, ladies with uh, breast cancer. So a few months later, I found out that there is a, a competition in South Korea. And if I send my artwork to them, uh, if they accept it, there will, there will be an exhibition in National Science Museum of Guachen in um, South Korea. So I said, I have nothing to lose. I already have done the painting. Maybe they like this painting. Maybe they want to, you know, exhibit it. So I shared this painting. I sent it uh, to this view art contest in 2016. And oh my God, they accepted this artwork. So I shipped the artwork, which was, you know, the painting was half naked and I'm from Iran. And back then I was living in Tehran. So um, many shipping companies didn't accept to ship this painting and they gave me quite a hard time. They told me that I have to go to the culture uh Ministry of Art, actually culture, um, the, the Ministry of uh, Islamic Arts in order to get a permission for shipping this painting, which, you know, they could have torn this art, you know, torn this apart. They could, they could have destroyed it and they would have if I've gone. Uh, so I didn't. So I asked many people to help me. And at the end, someone after two weeks helped me just to ship this painting to South Korea. 
So, but he told me, I ship it for you safely to South Korea, but sending it back to Iran, that would be a huge mistake for you. Don't do it. They're going to destroy it. Uh, and um, when, when it comes to the border. So I said, okay, sure. And this painting went to South Korea and it was exhibited in National Science Museum, which was quite a dream for me. It was 2016. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And, um, but I was in touch with a friend in Greece. So I told him the story like this is happening to me. And he said, don't worry about it. Uh, you can actually... Um, asked them to send the painting to Athens, which he was based in, and I keep it for you. And when you come to Greece or either Turkey or some countries nearby, I bring it to you. We meet there. I bring it to you, and you, you know, you can, you know, take it back home or whatever you want. I said, "Are you sure it wouldn't be a bother?" He said, "No worries. I keep it for you." You won't believe it. I did it. I asked uh, the National Science Museum to send a painting to, to Greece for me, and they did it. Um, but after a few months, uh, so, you know, the situation got worse in Iran, the sanctions and everything, and the, that was the time. That was the time that actually uh, Trump was the president and he withdrew the, you know, um, the... The, the thing that they had with Iran. And so... Um, so they I had imposed a like, lot of economic sanctions and uh, they totally yeah. wanted to boycott Iran. Yeah, oh, but... yeah. Yeah, and the situation got worse in Iran and uh, even we had quite an inflation. Um, so I felt like, oh my God, uh, I'm working in a museum for four, four years and no one uh, appreciating all the hard work that I've been doing and I'm doing everything like even the galleries don't want to show my art for us and I'm still having a lot of problems with having international exhibition about shipping my voice and they want to destroy my paintings. Maybe I should go somewhere to paint peacefully. To paint these figures peacefully and you know just live a life like a normal person so um i moved to turkey because it's so near to iran i could see my family my dear parents and friends and family and uh, my brother is also based in istanbul so i moved to istanbul and uh, at the same time i started continuing this journey of doing paintings but i asked that friend in greece to send me back the painting and he said no I said, what? He said that you gifted to me. And I was like, no, I didn't. You told me that you keep the painting for me. Anyways, he refused. And I had almost one tough year to give the paint, to take the painting back. And at the end, another dear friend in um, Greece 
she's a lawyer, she helped me to finally take back the painting that I own. And long story short, dear Tame and our friends, our audience, this painting is two at the end of 2021. These paintings is not in my hand still. She's actually uh, is with my cousin who is based in Greece right now. But you can't imagine how hard it is for me to not having something which I own with me still after five or six years. So that's the story of someone who has difficulties about censorship and shipping the artworks and doing figurative artworks in Middle East. So I know many people have some horrible stories worse than me about actually had to destroy the artworks in Afghanistan after the um, you know, after the Taliban or many people even in countries like Pakistan or Iran had, you know, worse experience, but that's the reality. And I just wanted to be uh, the voice of people who actually has suffered, have suffered uh, just like me or even worse. This is the real situation. So your story has been like an artwork uh going from different places, facing a lot of hardships and censorships. So thanks for that. Then after moving to Turkey and Istanbul, how was your time there and how were things there? Um, I got so many permissions artworks. I have done the biggest works in my life, which is a six meters into two and a half meters painting. Um, it's a it's a big scene of a Roman battle, full of um, figures. The classical version. I mixed so many nineteenth um, and seventeenth century paintings into one piece. And I paint them over, it's acrylic on canvas actually. And um, after that, I got commissions over 34 mural paintings. And this is something that I have never, I could do. I started doing mural Kalara, You have put the work in your Twitter uh, photo, right? I can see you sitting on the artwork and horses and Roman uh, goddesses fighting, there's a war scene and smoke and and you're sitting on it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sitting on it. I was actually laying on it to work because you know, the work was really big and uh, working on it on my studio, which is not so big, was quite a time. Uh, I had quite a experience working on that piece because I had to roll the paintings from two sides in order to, you know, continue working on it. And sometimes I had to lay on it, I had to sit on it. And so, you know, it was acrylic on canvas, so I wasn't so worried. If it was oil on canvas, that would be a horrible <laughs> thing to experience. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the work that I mentioned that uh, I did the biggest work of my all time so far. But where is that, that work now? This work is right now in Germany. 
Um, the collector lives in Germany and uh, this year collector owns almost five works of mine and two of the biggest canvas I've done. One is like four meters into two meters. Another one is six meters into two and a half meters. Yeah. <laughs> that is huge. Yeah, so, these are huge and took uh, so many months to handmade. How did this collector discover you? Um, actually, through my uh, dear friend, uh, he was like apparently talking to him about artworks, and he said, "I'm so interested in arts." And he said, "Well, I know someone. Maybe that person could be a help." And he said, "No, I like like classical artworks, like those who are in palaces and you know churches." This is how he described it, and he said. I think she can help you with that. And so they came to me and said, um, you do mural paintings, do you? Uh, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. But what do you want? They said, well, we want it not on a mural, but on a canvas. Can you do it in big size? I said, um, yeah, well, there is no difference for me, maybe less. Uh, neck pain but I can do it but I said it takes some time they said no, we are okay with it so this is how they found and it was honestly I believe in miracles so that was a miracle for me because they helped me through my journey living in Istanbul wow so for for the people who are from non-arts background what is the difference between a mural and a canvas so a um, mural painting is, are those paintings who actually exist on a wall or either a wall or um, a ceiling um, but those who actually on the canvas you can move them anywhere but you know those things who are on the wall you cannot move them easily and of course the medium and, and the, uh, the uh, base of the, uh, the, the place that you are working on it uh, are also different you have to use different techniques you have to use different ways of you know uh, make sure that this artwork uh, live there for quite some time and um, giving this uh, having this background of artistry actually helped me to you know experience more and do things that I've always wanted to do and uh, you know just to put my small <laughs> small feet into great artists works those who I actually admire the most uh, those people like uh, Michelangelo or uh, Titian or some others who actually have done so many murals um, it was quite an experience and to be honest it it wasn't easy but i was so passionate about it and i remember i've done 24 mural paintings in nine months after and after and after each other because it was a huge project i was doing it in a private villa in Istanbul, so um it was quite work but it took from um from march 2020 2019 uh, up to late November of 2020 and 24 paintings all murals that's a very quick time for painting I would say <laughs> 
24 paintings in such a short time yeah i had to do it and i had to do it by myself because they were in a rush they wanted to move in it's a private villa you know and i've done two of those ceiling paintings on their bathroom one of them is top of one top of uh, top of their jacuzzi which was i was so worried about it so worried i was like i was begging them because it was like dangerous you know there a lot of humidity and i was like you have to protect them some of course i did some stuff to you know protect them uh with uh because of the light and the you know humidity which is so much there but um you know part of my heart knows that this work could be like destroyed uh by passing time uh so i did one thing you know what i did tamai I actually NFT'd that painting. The Yay. one yeah. I want to give a clap for that. Oh, I love the drum. Thank you. <laughs> I was just thinking I wish we get to see them. I hope you have documented them and there you go. So where can we see them? Uh- Now let me let me share the link with you then because I actually um NFT'd on uh NFT that piece on foundation it's a goddess of um Venus um with her allies I will show it to you which is my own interpretation of the birth of Venus and you know she was a ba- according to Greek mythology she was born in um an, an island in Cyprus out of the you know the um, the the sea and um one part of the another god god of uh body um i'm going to actually share one of my uh, link with you here so let me see so the link that i just shared is the part that i'm doing a painting on that ceiling that time you can find more videos of it on my uh, instagram while i was working on those ceilings and mural paintings or some other works uh this one this work is really dear to me because uh, you know living near to cyprus living in istanbul with the history and uh, you know the beautiful nature gave me to you know have this um painting uh, surrounded with seagulls um you hear seagulls in istanbul all the time that's why i decided to paint seagulls in this painting as well because i thought okay maybe i see seagulls right now maybe um you know to the almost 2000 years ago when they were writing the story of venus uh, the birth of um you know venus um you know she was also surrounded with um seagulls as well <laughs> Lovely. So, are seagulls your favorite birds? Yeah, you you can see them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. what is what is your favorite animal? Oh my god! Are you really asking me that? It's, <laughs> I love so many of them, but as you know, cat I is on the top. 
Of course, of course. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I love cats. They have quite an attitude, you know. They're so moody. They act like gods and goddesses, like the deity, and they used to be worshipped like that. And um, <laughs> right now, they're ruling our houses uh, from our canapes. You know, they sit on the furnitures and they like feel like they are the king of the world or they are like the princess of the world so they, they have quite an attitude then so many of them are so sweet and you know um i cannot deny the fact that in istanbul many people love cats and dogs they're so kind with animals like even in my you know in my street there's so many like people having like foods uh, for cats they buy foods for cats and dogs um they go to parks and feed them even the government help them to to be feeded and they live everywhere in subways, in public transportations, in restaurants, they sit on the chair and no one even dare to move them. <laughs> they basically are the ruler of this historical <laughs> city. So that really inspired me to do this Big Boys collection. You know, I call this collection Big Boys. And I hope I'm going to, I, I'll, be, I'll be dropping one very soon. And other more. So cats are royalties in their own rights. <laughs> right. <laughs> they used to, at least there were gods um, in ancient uh, Egypt. You know, since Egyptian, ancient Egyptians used to worship them, this could be something that means something, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I the find... Sorry, go ahead. Um, you know, even there is a story of a battle uh, between Persians, ancient Persian and Egyptians. Persians uh, once actually conquered Egypt and um, apparently they used, because they knew Egyptians uh, worship cats, they used cats in order to attack the Egyptian army. They um, got so many cats and put it up into their hands in order to attack them uh, and when the egyptians found out that uh, iranians the persians actually having cats in their hands they decided not to attack persians so this is how persian actually uh, won one of the one of the wars with uh, egypt so you see <laughs> wow that's very interesting yeah. winning a battle with cats <laughs> They were you worried make, about cats. <laughs> you make all the cat owners proud. <laughs> <laughs> so, with with the Persian question, uh, with, would you could you take us through the history and culture of arts in Persia, Iran, and places around it? As you worked in the museum as well there. Oh yeah. Um, well, Iran has a really huge history um, through like 
and thousands and thousands of years we have so many evidence of even if we go before like uh, the time and there is some there is some um actually places that a human existed with making artifacts and we we, we know that there is some very uh, strong li links with the people who actually lived in the ge geographical part which is right now we call as Iran or even Persia uh, with the ancient Mesopotamia. So um, we, we are not sure um, if it's the oldest civilization or not, but there is one uh, place that we actually, which is a really important factor, is called a Giroft civilization, which is in northern, in, in the southern eastern part of Iran. Um, this Giroft place, um, there's so many beautiful artifacts have been found, um, um, belong to even 11 and even 12,000 years old. And there is one artifact which is really unique. It's actually made of um, soap um, stone. Uh, it's uh, it shows act actually the the ancient character, the ancient mythological character of Gilgamesh holding in one hand one thing and in the other hand the tree of life. So um, in this artifact, which is really important, we see the oldest story of, uh, you know, um, the one that human ever written. We, we know for the fact that, like, this story is related to Sumerians, but we're not sure how we see it in Iran. So this could actually help people to, you know, think that maybe it's one of the um, nominated um, places that we can talk about, like, uh, you know, um, um, first uh, civilization ever existed. Of course, there are some other nominations in Turkey um, or even in Pakistan or even India and some other places. But um, at the same time, we see like, um, if we go to, to the later time when we talk about like a Canadian empire, which for the very first time, Cyrus the Great, um, gathered many nations together and he gave them the freedom of speech and beliefs uh, in order to worship whatever they want uh, and to live freely and peacefully to travel and they also he actually helped um, actually the Jews to uh, go back to their uh, own land uh, freely with uh, whatever they lost during the wars they had with Assyrians and Babylonians uh, later. So um, Cyrus the Great and his tablet, which is right now in um, a Britain Museum, is one of the things that we actually really proud of because he. this is the oldest version of human rights. While we know for the fact many kings and rulers in ancient times used to be so proud of uh, things that uh, they have done and killed and um, destroyed uh, through their times, uh, Cyrus the Great was the one who actually was so proud of 
helping and giving peace and freedom to people. So uh, he is the joy of Persian history and uh, things that uh, actually have achieved for Persian and, you know, right now we know as the Iran country is so important for us. And uh, in 1,400 years ago, Iran, uh, actually Persian Empire, which was called as Sasanian dynasty, they lost the war and they they were conquered and Persia was conquered by um, uh, Islamic Arabs. And ever since Iranian, uh, you know, had to change the religion to Islam and and many things changed. So figure artworks got banned and censored and uh, not valued anymore. And uh, on the other hand, uh, animals and um, plants got valued. That's what you see. And of course, architecture things are things that are not related to human figures and human bodies uh, are valued more. So that's why you see beautiful Persian architecture during the Islamic time up until now. And um, toys and things like that uh, are valued in um, Islamic Persian history and uh, Persian architecture through the history, especially after the Islamic time, um, actually affected on many cultures and uh, shaped the um, Islamic architecture, especially the mosques. So that was quite a journey for, you know, Persian arts from the, you know, ancient Persian architecture, which uh, Sasanian Empire uh, architects were so good at it. They were quite uh, an engineer and architects back then. But um, that helped, you know, the whole world to shape the whole architecture and at the same time as I said because of the Islamic censorship uh, during the Islamic time um, human figures didn't appreciate much and they didn't appreciate it and they rather to do work uh, more on plants and geometrical shapes or even uh, at the end animals but they didn't even do more animals but during the Safavi empire which I'm talking about almost 400 years ago um uh, all the all the artworks got set free from the religious point. We see artworks dancing humans uh, on not only books but also on walls for for the very first time in uh, Iran story, Persian story history. And uh, Safavi time was quite a time because Iranian for the very first time decided to uh, let the Europeans give them the art medium. So very, for the very first time, they experienced working with oil paintings. That was quite a time, quite a breaking moment for them. So that's why we see a lot of palaces covered with mural paintings in Iran 4,400 years ago, I'm sorry. Um, during the Safavid time. And after that, in Qajari time, with mirror works and architecture, and of course, so many, um, you know, um, Persian kings traveled to uh, European countries. So they exchanged, you know, ideas. But when the Renaissance happened, the Italian Renaissance happened, that also happened in Iran, uh, which is 
I'm talking about like four or 500 years ago. So when that happened, there is one artist called Akamal Adin Behzad. He was working on a Persian miniature artwork. Um, And for the very first time you see, even though he did it all on books based on Persian poems, but the human figure is the main character. So we see humanism also here. Uh, at the same time, we see it in the European uh, art voice, the rebirth of human figures, um, setting free from religion. We see it also in Iran. So this is quite a time. And right few uh, years after that, we see it on murals and uh, palaces and everywhere. There are so many uh, artists such as Reza Abbasi in Safavid time. They actually had quite a, uh, he had quite a school and teaching many artists uh, in order to continue his way. So, um, we go after um, Safavi time to Qajari time, which is almost 200 years old. Up until 100, uh, they ruled, um, we have, we had eight kings there. And they also helped our artists, but many things actually lost their power. Um, but at the same time, they actually focused on a special way of doing paintings, which was mixed with European style and the Persian style, the Persian miniature. So um, that also led people to continue that, you know, Persian way of creating uh, figures into um, contemporary time. So there is one um, very well-known school in Persian, which is called um, a school of Kahvekhane, which is uh, like coffee shop schools. If I'm going to translate it to English, that might be sound silly. But uh, in uh, Persian, there's so many places that people used to go and sit drinking tea and coffee there. And they used to read poems to each other. And at the same time, you see a lot of paintings of uh, religious kind of paintings of uh, their uh, imams and, um, you know, holy characters in Islamic characters, those Islamic characters. And uh, you see those paintings, but those paintings are in the style of, you know, um, the uh, the 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 old version, but you see only very few remains, very few details, very few symbols there. But at the same time, they are still alive. And thank God, thank God to to the you know digital art for the and the time that we live in, that helped me. That helped many people to actually mix again, uh, calligraphy and uh, actually the Persian miniature with the. Um, artist's own perspective to create more with the help of, of course, technology and applications and, of course, Photoshop. Many people ruin things. Many people destroy the the fact of valuing um, beautiful artworks. But at the same time, many people uh, created amazing artworks. So it's uh, quite time when we come to, you know, contemporary time. My thesis in my... um, master degree was about uh, actually uh, cover artworks, um, cover arts of music in contemporary time after the revolution of 1979. And while I was working on it, I decided, I realized, oh my God, there is so many cover arts of uh, many 
famous uh, Iranian musicians, the best and well-known one, uh, with an awful design, with an awful design, but at the same time was like, no, um, at the same time, there are some with really good design and, you know, mindset on it based on the music. So it's a, quite a unique time. We see it also in NFTs when it comes to NFTs, when talking about NFTs. We see that too. You see like some really... Um, different ways and at the same time you see okay this is could not be seen as much maybe so new to our eyes but at the same time you see there is something special about that artwork and um honestly that really helped them you know my thesis actually really helped me to be more open-minded about the journey of contemporary art so i'm just gonna uh, give you the the title of my um, thesis, if you're interested, it's called uh, The Study of Analysis of Persian Music Album Covers After the Revolution of 1979. So I wrote it, I think, in 2017. Uh, yeah. Awesome. I'll ask you now specific questions from all what you said. So starting in the beginning, you mentioned Gilgamesh. So that is Lord Ganesh. So I was very curious to know how how did that happen in Persian or that area? So as you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh is um, is an epic poem of ancient Mesopotamia, and uh, for for the very first time, uh, they found some um, you know works, uh, some parts of the tablets in a Babylonian uh, library, and then they realized there are some parts of it missing, and then they found it in you know later liar of the air uh, of the earth and they found out okay this is sumerian version of it because as what we know right now not ever but at this moment while we're talking in 2021 we know that um the uh, the oldest civilizations is um sumer uh in ancient mesopotamia but um we know that could be wrong. It could be, as I said, there are some other nominations of, um, you know, all the civilization. It could be either um, so some part of Iran, that Jiroft part that I mentioned, city of Jiroft, um, the actually it's called a um, civilization of Halil Rud. Halil Rud is actually a river in that part. And uh, there is some uh, evidences, even a um, tablet with words and some some uh, written text that we couldn't uh, we actually haven't had the opportunity to decode it yet but there are some tablets and unfortunately because of the situation uh, many people stole those artworks and you can also right now see those uh, artifacts those artifacts of um, you know Jiroft um, um, in um, private private um, collections, even in um, some museums, which is so um, unfortunate for us because we know that um, they shouldn't be there. Anyways, so in um, Jiro, which is which seems really, oh, sorry, you wanted to say something. I was asking how how is the artistically depicted, visually depicted Gilgamesh in Iran? Because in India, uh, Ganesh statue is a human body with a elephant head 
and we have a lot of mythological stories around it and so on and uh, it's a very auspicious city so um, how, how is gilgamesh in that gilgamesh yeah gilgamesh character is a bit different than ganesh because gilgamesh is a half god um half human and he was quite a ruler back then and if you go uh, check out the you know the you know um the characters of this um this person he's actually is interested he has a best friend is called enkido and he lost his best friend um and uh, he want he decide to he decides to find a way in order to go to underworld uh um to, to the world of uh, deaf people in order to take his friend back and for finding a way of also he also tries to find a tree of life during his journey and uh, it, there is one very unique um carved relief of him he's holding a lion in one hand which is i think right now uh, in louvre museum um please go check that one which is so unique but in the one that i mentioned in iran is there is a vase uh have been found in um Jiroft, um Jiroft, so some part of iran shows gilgamesh holding the tree of life in one hand and one snake in the other hand and we know the story of the tree of life and the snake and how these two are connected with each other and there's one human all the time between these things one human who's trying pursuing to find out um, the, the tree of life or the you know that a uh, special plant and at the same time there is one animal especially one snake who's trying to eat that and uh, trying to achieve that um sooner than the human version of it so um gilgamesh yes, actually found this in you know gilgamesh found the tree of life but he was resting and while he was resting uh, and a snake came and you know a snake ate that tree of life so this is how he couldn't you know take back his friend um to so it was quite a story so that's why i mentioned we see that a special um you know um story on uh, you know the the ways that have been found in jiro which actually when uh, they tested um the 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 ways they found out it's uh, 11000 years old but the oldest version we have uh, about gilgamesh is 5500 uh, 5, years old so that's why that helped many people to realize maybe there is older version of uh, Gilgamesh story. Maybe since we know where is the origin of Sumerian, some people suggest, some uh, experts suggest that maybe um, they uh, they 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 were from. Um, um, source and part of Iran and after some time they moved to Mesopotamia because one of the kings of Sumerians in one of the tablets they say we are from the uh, north of the Sosan Sea 
So what is the Sosan Sea in Iran? It's actually Persian Gulf. So this Jirov place that I just mentioned is on the north of Persian Gulf. So there are huh. some hints, you know. That's so interesting. Now Jirov, Mesopotamia, Babylon and Sumerian. Where are they geographically and what is the chronology in time and history? So Jiro, we are not sure, as I mentioned, um, it's uh, in the southern part of Iran. If you just go to the to the map, there is Iran. And then um, in the southern part, you see the Persian Gulf. And uh, if you go to the based on the now version of the map, um, you see the Persian Gulf, the Gulf of Oman, and in the left side of the country, you see Iraq. And in that part, you see the Mesopotamia in center and south, and in the north, it was Assyrian back then. So we know they were like different. And um, of course, we have like quite in the story when we're talking about like Assyrians, but, and you know, Sumerians, but we know for the fact, like there were first Sumerians and then Akkadians, Babylonians, and then um, Assyrians, but also we have new Babylon and, you know, things like that too. But and after what, that, the last What about one, Mesopotamia? Mesopotamia is called the whole place. Like the whole place is called the whole place that is. Um, the whole region. Uh, All of these come under Mesopotamia. Yes, you you would call it like part of like mostly it is it existed in Iraq, part of Syria, part of Turkey. You know this part mm-hmm. mostly. Yeah. So you mentioned part very interestingly about uh, Cyrus the Great. Yes. So, how was art in that time? And in India, we have Parsis. We so Farsi-speaking people from Iran. So Parsi, and the religion is Zoroastrianism. And uh, there's a very a symbol of uh, them which is very frequently seen. It's like a wings um, to the wings and a man sitting in between. So could you tell us about Cyrus the Great, art in his time, uh, Zoroastrian religion, and that particular symbol? Oh, of course. So Cyrus the Great is uh, actually the founder of Achaemenidian um, kingdom, Achaemenid empire. And uh, we are not sure about his birth. His birth is uh, somehow mixed with mythology and things like that. We are not sure about that part, but he was the ruler of the Central Asia and some part of the Western Asia as well. And uh, what we know after him, him, um, all, all the kings in Achaemenid Empire, they actually get, uh, they got 60% of the dried lands in the world, known world back then. So it was the biggest empire of all time. And um, I'm talking about like Darius the Great, which is one of my favorite characters and some others. And uh, they almost ruled for 330 if i'm not mistaken years and then after that um 
Alexander the Great conquered Persian Empire and things went into the Greeks' hands for some time, for 17 years, and they had some battles with Persian, and then Persian got back the country. There were like few small like places called back then, but then we have Sulkins, we have Ashkanians, and then at the end we have Sasanian Empire, which I mentioned like uh, Sasanian lost the empire by the conquest of uh, the empire by Islamic Arabs. So um, the thing about Cyrus the Great and what happened about the art is uh, like when he got the power, um, so Persians back then, like people who actually lived on that geography had their own side. And it was mixed with Aramean style, which is right now part of uh, uh, Armenia. And we had some style in the central part of um, the um, Persian uh, geography. Uh, but um, after that, we see uh, the King Darius, uh, he decided to actually invite many artists from different part of their own land in order to come to the main center uh, to create something big. So what did they do? They invited artists from uh, Assyria, you know, Assyrian style. They invited some artists from Egypt, even Greek, even though they had some problems with Greeks even back then, but they appreciated the, the art. So they invited many people from different parts in order to mix them all together. And they made one very unique, they of course made many things, but there's one unique place. In Persian, we call it as a Tahta Jamshid, or you can find it as Persepolis. It's uh, actually a very uh, unique architecture. It was probably symbolic. A uh, place for uh, celebrations and um, you know festivals and things like that. It was not a it was not a place to live or rule. It was a place for celebration and festivals. So it's all covered with amazing um, columns, uh, big ones, and for celebrating Nowruz, the Persian New Year, which Iranian have been celebrating it for thousands and thousands of thousands of years. And um, yeah, they did that to, to mix that, especially with Assyrian artworks. So for example, Lamaso, which is a unique uh, mythological character in Assyria, you see the Lamaso with three feet, but in Persian version of it, on um, Persepolis architecture, we see Lamaso with four feet. It has more balance here. Uh, excuse uh, me, can you describe Lamazio, uh, the, the Lamazio which you're talking about, how visually it looks? Oh uh, yeah, of course. Lamaso is actually a mythological character. Uh, he actually has a face of a human and uh, also it has a wing and it has a body, if I'm not mistaken, of a horse or like, uh, it's a hybrid, you know, it's a hybrid of human and animals. So some countries describe it in a different forms, um, but mostly it's connected to, you know, some uh, zodiacs or some, you know, things like that. It's mixed with bulls sometimes, it's mixed with lions, but mostly in a 
Assyrian version, it has a body of a bull or a horse. It's better to say bull, maybe. And um, a ring of a um, bird, probably eagle, and a human face. So this is Lamaso in um, Assyrian period. Um, Assyrian period, I'm talking about like um, 700 BCE, something like that. And But in Iranian version, uh, the, um, the Lamaso has different face. So this is something unique that we can see in uh, Achaemenid uh, Empire. And at the same time, the columns, like we have the griffin, which I actually used a griffin in one of my artworks, the one which is called um, the one which is called under the Caspian Sea, as I mentioned, there is part of it in the left side. There's part of Griffin or that Sphinx, which is a face of uh, an eagle um, with the body of a lion. And uh, I used that one in that artwork as well. And also the one that is actually my profile photo. It's a mix of Roman girl with uh, actually a... Um, Reason it's a Canadian drink is such a coincidence, but I did that. Uh, this actually, the, you see, there's a uh, saffron flower in her hand, and also there is a, a form of a vase with lion shaped vase near to this lady in this uh, profile picture of mine. And um, there are some saffron flowers and saffrons in that vase. This called this vase is called actually a reason, and uh, this is an actual artwork of Achaemenid uh, Achaemenid Empire. That time, uh, right now, um, that artifact lives in Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. Um, I decided to, you know, somehow bring this kind of history in my artwork, uh, those things that many people forget to mention in the artworks these days. But I somehow used the figuratives and, you know, more visualizing kind of things in this way, more objective things, just to, you know, uh, be a reason to talk about history and mythology. Absolutely. So it's so incredible. You're bringing in culture, history, and mixing it with technology like NFTs and creating a fusion so that people remember the historical things as well as it's new and relevant to the current times. So it's amazing to see this. And uh, once again, I would remind the listeners to see her Instagram about these all amazing pictures she's describing. So, Gorora, when after this period, when the Islamic uh, rulers came in and a uh, lot of ar ge geometric figures are famous in that region, calligraphy is famous um, in that region because we had a lot of people from Iran coming in India and the monuments they have built have wonderful calligraphy and geometry in the architecture. So, could you shed some light on that? And also about carpets. So I see and hear and a lot of amazing carpets are made in um, Ira, Iran and that region. Oh, of course. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, so there is one uh, oldest uh, carpet that a human ever found. It's called Pazari carpet. Right now it's in... Um, 
Russian museum, if I'm not mistaken, um, which is such a unique work of art. It's covered with um, so many beautiful mythological creatures, and apparently it was made in 500 BCE, which is almost the same time as uh, Achaemenidian Empire ever exists. So there's some connections about those characters, which you can see on uh, that special uh, carpet and Persian um, characters, which we can find on Persepolis uh, architecture. So these collections are really important because we're not really sure who made those um, that beautiful carpet, but we know for the fact that there are some connections. So maybe Persian helped them or even Persian actually made that carpet. So that much this story um, owes you know uh but the thing is like we know that there is one very unique uh carpet in sasanian empire it was in tara castro which is in tara castro uh, palace it was once in iraq and right now there are only very few remains of it uh, you can find it in iraq um this unique um place once had a very beautiful carpet, uh, carpet. and uh, after the conquest of uh, Persian Empire, Arabs actually destroyed it and each um, actually took part of that as part of, you know, um, the, the souvenir of the, the war, maybe I can call it like that. But um, there is some historical uh, evidence about what happened to that carpet that they just um, tore it into different pieces and they just, you know, uh, gave it to each, um, you know, um, officers who actually was part of that war. Anyways, so we know that a Persian didn't make the carpet for only 100 years, but also for thousands and thousands of um, years. So <laughs> at least we can say that because of the uh, fabrics that they have been found, um, all different parts of the world. So the, um, the carpet is such an important thing, making fabrics and making carpets for Persians and they have tried to keep that alive but after all the things that happened to you know a handmade artwork same happened to carpet and right now it doesn't have a very good place but uh, there is still some people who actually appreciate handmade works they try to keep the the carpet handmade alive by making it via silk or things like that uh, this is about carpet but at the so, same time yeah please carpet in this region or people for our listeners is something that we roll on the floor and uh, sometimes these are so beautiful that people even hang it as paintings so can you visually depict what is in a carpet and what are the uses of a carpet Oh, so in Persian, we use carpet for different purposes. We even, I remember when I was a child, uh, my grandma used to cover one of her walls with uh, one carpet. That much 
important it was for her that car but it was so unique for me i was a kid and i honestly don't know what happened to that carpet i should ask my you know my uncles and my dad what happened to that carpet because after my grandma passed away i've never seen that carpet um so persians uh, actually use we sit on the carpet we sleep on the carpet we we have done many things on the carpet last night as i said it was Yalda night and it was the like Persians uh, even ancient Persians used to celebrate the uh, the longest and uh, darkest night of the year and we all the time used to sit on the carpet on the floor actually sitting on the carpet and celebrating it this uh, festival and um, what I can say like uh, we of course we cover the floor but as I said we use it for different purposes but uh, we, we not only have carpet we have different kind of things like um, we call it like rug or things like that in Farsi we have different names I'm sure you can find it even in uh, India with different versions which are so beautiful in their own ways as like you know art has traveled a lot everywhere in different places from iran to india from india to iran or um, other places to other you know lands so that happened also to um carpet as well but iranian also helped uh, anatolians or it's better to say turkish people to you know um grow their own way of making carpet so uh, about 200 years old uh, they started making their own industry industry of making carpet so they started you know ruling the industry world of carpets that time this is how they you know stole the heart of uh, europeans by making carpets even though we've heard a lot about persian carpet but these days uh, many people actually know persian carpets via turkish version of it <laughs> okay thank you and moving to the calligraphy and uh, geometric architecture some juicy points on that so as i said when um the islam came uh they actually banned uh figurative art for it. so many people who wanted to express their own feelings they decided to do it in different ways uh via geometric way via making plants or designing uh, toys and um you know the art version of it with um different forms but one of the most interesting way of expressing their own um you know uh, visual um creativity was uh, designing the book of god as they believe so uh, that was something that islam actually focused the most after are you talking about quran Yes, I'm talking about Quran and about uh, different ways of designing Quran. So we have one more, one important thing, which is first um, the Quran and the, the writing. And at the same time, we have the architecture and its design. So when it comes to Quran, we know that Iranian used to do like um, designing um they had their own way of designing um, alphabets. Uh, but 
Arabs were more stronger because they were like amazing poets back then. So we know Arabs were so strong in making poetry. But when Islam came, uh, they decided to design the Book of God, uh, the Quran. So um, the Arabic alphabet has actually 20 eight characters if i'm not mistaken so that's why uh, they started designing it in different ways so we have the way of designing in, it's called kufi which is from a city of kufa and uh, that kufi form of um, calligraphy also has so many branches so we have a kufi from like northern part of africa we have kufi of um, um architecture which is some like a brick and with um, you know unique form of shapes and etc and so on and so on so but something which is so interesting each of these ways each of these ways of designing calligraphy uh, you can see it in different times uh, so many of them are Arabic version, but uh, the one which is started Persian, um, I'm going to go with Nastaliq. It's about 500 years old uh, form of designing, which is like the, the unique version of designing in terms of all the curves and the forms they use. So it's called Nastaliq. I'm going to pronounce it can, one more time. Can you visually describe design so it's uh, I, I must say it's perso arabic version of you know scripting and i can say um so you know um in persian uh, way of writing an arabic both version um all the alphabets they could be connected with each other so this could actually help them to have more curves so for example um it depends of course but vowel also cannot be seen much in persian uh, language so how can i say i think the way of describing it with um a lot of curves that could be a good way but also you see a lot of dots you see a lot of dots which is finding a way of uh, actually um somehow showing the words could be also meaning different um, the alphabets could have different meanings so s and share both can be written just like that but they can be differently um appreciated with only dots so if the s version of you know uh, persian alphabet has three dots that becomes share so it's i know it might be somehow um you know confusing but um if it was visualizing i would be it, yes, it would yes. be easier for me to so describe it people can see this in mosque or some uh, islamic countries they go to i'm sure you'll be able to relate to that when you mentioned kufi i it came to my mind about the sufi culture or tradition so how popular and prominent it is because they they are more open and they are into music, dance and art. So what kind of art could so, you elaborate on that? So um, the Kufi version actually 
is not that much connected to um to the sufi and the sufis dances um but what is more connected it first started with started with souls um calligraphy if i'm not mistaken because souls is actually a arabic version of uh, um calligraphy and uh, it's uh one tree of it it goes up so it has a curve and it goes up and up and up so the form is so dy uh, dynamic and it all goes to the you know the sky this is something that we should we can recognize the soul's um, calligraphy and uh, one thing that i can tell about souls which is also connected to um sufis and sufi dance uh, is uh, it's called the bride of the calligraphy, the Islamic calligraphy, and uh, it's because it dances, and so it dances, it's connected. But after some time, we know that that changed. And right now, if I'm not mistaken, Nastaliq is the part of the main part of a Sufi's dance because of the. Uh, the, the idea and the believing of, uh, you know, um, Sufistic Sufi um, people uh, because of the um, uh, Molana, the poet, and the person who was really bold in his opinion, Shams Tabrizi, which was uh, an Iranian character. Uh, he was from Tabriz, a city which is still exists in Iran. Um, so, um, as you know, like more than, if I'm not mistaken, 98% of uh, Molana's poems are in Persian language, in Persian, in Farsi. So, yeah, I think uh, Nastaliq has, Nastaliq and Shekhasa Nastaliq, another version of Nastaliq, which came later, almost a century later, um, are, have, have, have more a stronger um, part of um, Sufi culture because um, many of people during the, um, that century, during that century, started uh, writing and practicing Molana's poems uh, while they doing those calligraphies. So I think this is this could be somehow connected, but I'm not a I'm not a not an expert on that part, so I rather not to go you know further. Okay, yes. So fun fact, uh, the language in the Arab region and Persia, it's the writing is from left to right, so the book opens bottom up. For <laughs> just a fun fact to share, uh, leading to the thing you have done masters in about music and music covers so could you could you say some albums or bands we should hear and describe some fun album covers of theirs well yeah um first of all i designed some several cover arts for some um iranian um music bands and musicians but mostly they're famous in order to be underground 
um the thing is that if you want to be uh have the freedom of uh showing whatever you can do you have to be underground at least in such countries um in iran was also the same so i was interested in working with some underground artists um and one of them is called uh, the ways band uh, my bachelor degree thesis was about their covers i actually designed 17 covers for them and uh, you can find them in one of the um, most famous iranian uh, music website it's called radiojavan.com you can find some uh, some of their musics with the covers that i designed for them and uh, after that i designed three covers for one of the most um, persian hip-hop artists it's called yas uh, y-a-s and I designed, I think, more than seven, more than three, I'm sorry. And um, there are some covers that I designed for some pop artists and some also one for a uh, metalhead uh, group of um, actually metal band, yeah. And uh, it's called the person who's actually, um, it's called Arya Noini. He's quite famous in Persian community. Uh, underground uh, metal band and there's so many others who actually have done many beautiful jobs to design covers and you know uh, to be involved with music industry but honestly it's it could be a little bit challenging because uh, so there are so many ways of censoring your artworks. There are many things that they can lead you to to not to show what is important for you. So that that unfortunately can happen all the time for you in Iran. All right. Uh, I'm going to take the links to the metal band and the other website you mentioned on the back channel and it's fun to imagine metal heads in iran uh, it's equal equivalent to uh, knowing about a metal band playing in church so it was a church spiritual metal head band and they were rocking their heads and it was fun view to see <laughs> okay so uh, from iran let's move to greek and roman so a lot of your art is having greek roman mythological characters so is it because of the commission and what people uh what the collectors asked you to do or was it out of your interest for that mythology and those sculptures as well honestly it was all me <laughs> i wanted to do it that way because um as a person who lived most of her, her life in Iran, which uh, you see so many different artworks. Uh, the artwork in Iran is so different than the one that you mostly see uh, in uh, you know, Europe or the Western world, I might say. Um, here you see a lot of, as you mentioned, carpets, calligraphy, um, uh, Persian um, music and um, Persian arts, like those who are in uh, books and uh, for based on, you know, based on poems and things like that. Um, but I wanted something more. I wanted something different. And I wanted human figure so that's why i was so uh, passionate uh, about um italian style 
and especially since my father talked about it while I was a kid, and he was describing his trip to Italy about those characters that he saw, that just went into my mind while I was a kid. And I was all the time imagining uh, how angels would look like there uh, on the churches or the palaces and things like that. But of course, after some time, I, um, you know, I started traveling and studying. And so I felt like, uh, oh, that's that's much closer to my to my mindset so that's why i decided to um paint in this way because i wanted to share the way of thinking um um, the, the way of thinking of um artists in 17th century things that um many people have forgotten about right now and things that it is so closer um, to to my own opinion so that's why i decided to um actually make my own artworks based on their artworks so uh, they created many characters i use those characters in order to create something more and many have done it before many have done it ever um things like uh, maybe ancient times in greek ancient and after that roman so the whole idea of renaissance i believe it was based on um the um, the ancient roman and greek style they went after those and they decided to reverse those characters so i think um this is what I wanted to do. And while I was doing it, especially um, during the, you know, blockchain time, I said, why not? I should give the, these characters another birth. So, yeah. Wow, amazing. So who's your favorite artist and why? Oh, that's a really tough question, Hamad, because <laughs> asking such a question from someone who is half art historian, half painter, <laughs> is quite challenged. But uh, there's so many artists, even during the contemporary time, that I appreciate a lot, not just because um, they have actually quite a different style, but um, I, I should say that there is one is called like I cannot deny for uh, deny this that I love Michelangelo. I uh, admire his talent a lot, and at the same time Raphael, and at the same time Caravaggio or Artemisia Gentileschi in 17th century, this beautiful lady with her amazing talent, Artemisia Gentileschi is actually, I named one of my artworks after her, she's called the Lady Gentileschi, the first version of the work that I made for board uh, Bordeaux Ladies Club, and uh, she's holding uh, M1 serum. I called her Lady Gentileschi. Um, the, um, there's so many, even about the modern time. I, um, who can I say? Um, <laughs> 
Jackson Park, I admire him because I'm not using um, the, uh, the brush anymore. I admire him a lot. Um, in That's Iran, a surprise because he he's totally abstract and uh, you are totally into figurative. So how exactly. do you like Jackson Pollock? <laughs> Exactly. That's the thing that I want to, you know, that also surprised me as well. Um, but it's not just that, but there's so many, so many people that I admire a lot. Like Mark Rothko, Mark Rothko, you know, like the way that he creates, uh, he created those amazing paintings is just like um, a way of making me just feeling quite different. The way that he made the and uh, that that chapel that the one with full of um dark uh painting also um for me it's just an amazing work and i believe his life was uh an art um movie as well it was an art journey as well like the one the thing that he did so yeah um and about contemporary arts um i would say i admire jeff coons and damien hearst especially damien hearst for things that he have achieved and especially for the things he has done even in nft world as you know he has actually joined the nft world as well with the collection of currencies but if you know that he just uh, recently has had an exhibition in uh, Borghese Gallery in Italy, um, this shows me that this artist can do many things. And this is what I like admire him the most at this time. But at the same time, there are so many interesting Iranian artists. Um, during the modern time, I would say, um, Bahman Mohassas is one of my favorites, uh, or uh, Leili Matin Daftari. She is one of the most amazing person that um, I had the pleasure to meet her artwork. And, and she was so, uh, quite, um, and, you know, unique character. She was... She wasn't, she didn't talk much about her artwork. Many people even don't know her, but she was amazing. And uh, these are about like modern one and um, about the contemporary one, the one which I uh, admire a lot, which was uh, one of my professors called Gobat Shiva. Uh, Shiva is uh, an Iranian um, painter and graphic designer. And I had the pleasure to be one of his students, um, students when, I, when I was 17 and 18 years old. So he's also one of my favorites. Who are your favorite NFT artists? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's quite a question. There is there is something that I, I actually I want to mention someone who is quite in uh, in a different style, uh, if you don't mind. And also one time I even tried to buy his artwork. His name is Hamid Ibrahimnia, and uh, he's a visual artist interested in um, uh, what can I say? Um, well, he's, he plays with a lot of uh, things that 
exist and at the same time not exist. So one of his amazing works is called ETH mining, which I try to, you know, um, you know, bid on it. I did bid on it, but uh, it wasn't. Uh, at the end, I lost that bid. <laughs> I overbid it. Um, this work is so interesting because it mentions history and at the same time is. So if you go to his profile, you see there is a pyramid, <laughs> the Great Pyramid of Giza, and uh, um, some uh, one spaceship comes and tries to mine Ethereum's. So that was kind of like amazing point for me. So he's one of my favorite artists, but there's so many, you know, so many Iranian, non-Iranian, so many amazing talents out there. From the Iranian community and Persian community, whom are the uprising artists you would like us to go and have a look at? Uh, of course, I would say Hamid Ibrahimia is one of the most talented one in his own version, but there are also so many others. But uh, about like generally speaking, there are some others. One person who actually admires me a lot, um, it's another artist, which is not Iranian, but I would like to mention this person because the thing that he did with Esma contract is called BT. And when I found out about his artwork and I was like oh my god this person is so unique and <laughs> I should I must get to know more this person so I've been following him ever since and I just uh, take a look please take a look at his artworks the works that he creates it's amazing mixed with music uh visual can you spell arts. his name bt one b and then t BT uh, on BT Arts or how can we search? Just B and one T, like two two character. B mm -hmm. and T, BT. Brian Wayne, known as initials BT. Is he is he is he a DJ? Singer, yeah, songwriter. he's involved with uh, he's involved with music and uh, he's involved with music a lot, like so much i i will share uh his page with you i will definitely do that all right and some artists whom you have discovered okay these people are not famous but you spotted out the talent and whom you think we should go and see now and support um there is one that i actually recently admire a lot um her name is elnaz mansuri She's very, she has quite an style. She's, um, she's a 3D artist. Um, this person, I actually love her style, the way she is trying to create, playing with colors and forms. It's so feminine, yet so unique. I really like her voice and she's just so peaceful, just trying to do her voice. I, I really like her style, yeah. I would Can you say, spell, uh, spell their name? E-L-N-A-Z-M-A-N-S-O-U-R-I. Uh, I will share that one with you too. I am seeing her Instagram. Wow. <laughs> Amazing 3D work. Yes. 
וואו. אוקיי, אז גולורה, מה הם הפלאנים עכשיו לניו פרוג'קטים? ומה אתה רואה את עצמך לקראת? אתה רוצה להתחיל בניו דברים? Well, what I've been doing in these days too, I want to focus more on my own collection. I want to work more on my big boys collection. And at the same time, I'm actually planning to work with few artists, which I haven't had the pleasure to do a collaboration with artists. But what, what I've been busy uh, for the past few months to create a project with few artists. Uh, one of them, I'm not going to talk about it right now because I'm not sure how we'll end up, but something that I would definitely do is to uh, do a collaboration with a 3D artist. It's a very talented Iranian one, um, amazing soul. Uh, we think... Um, so perfectly with each other so i'm gonna actually do that and at the same time i would love to get involved with uh programmable art um i know it's it's um it's been a few months that i'm trying to learn more about it and honestly it's not easy for someone who uh, who has been involved with only art community all the time and you know trying to get out and going into <laughs> um A script word is not easy to be honest um, but um, I'm, I'm doing my best to find out my way of um, you know taking my work into another level since I'm involving with um, you know NFTs and this technology I would like to get involved with this technology I think this is very important this is essential to do it at the end but as you know uh, NFTs are not going to go anywhere so I'm just taking my time into just uh learning and growing and of course you know painting is not my main major and i would love to grow more into this field as well so i'm just trying to um taking my own steps and doing things that i think it's good to do it at this moment so i hope in future i'll be able to take my art in another level in another version i have never um motionized my artwork uh because i felt maybe if i do it i'm not gonna good enough to do it maybe i cannot do it in a good way so i said okay i'll do 2d paintings and when it's time i do a club either i do a collaboration or I learn it by myself. So who knows, maybe in six months or one year or two years, who knows where and when, but I would definitely love to experience more and do collaboration uh, with more artists. You know, even for those mural paintings that I've done, I did it just by myself. It wasn't a teamwork. So teamwork is something that I'm really, um, you know excited about but at the same time it's so challenging for me um i have to you know uh dig more into that to see what people want and i want to uh get more adult with the you know the whole situation and their plan so um It's an achievement for me, and I would definitely go for it. But as I said, the project that I've 
done with um, the um, Board of Re uh, Art Residency. It was such a unique experience. So we were sharing our art force because we wanted to, we wanted to support each other. And this is what we've been doing. And if we see an artwork um, get sold out, we just ch cherish for that art and the artist because it it's an achievement for each of us. So I would love to see that more. So I might uh, do more collaboration in future and um, probably do more art residency in future. This is what I'm trying to get at it. But I hope at the same time, I travel more and experience more um, and bring more art from different nations into um, bring um, different stories from different nations into my art. So this is something that I like um, really want to do. It doesn't matter what happens to it. This is something that I, it comes from my bottom of my, it comes from uh, the bottom of my heart and I would love to do it. So the latest artwork that I did and I mixed, actually minted it, a Solana uh, chain, it's actually based on a Thai mythology. So I'm really actually happy to do it because it's about a um, actually a character of a deity. It's called uh, the Banana Lady. So yeah, I wanna bring more, um, you know, history and mythology from different, uh, you know, lands and cultures and nations. So I hope I'll be able to. I am saying Banana Lady. Uh, it has, there's a woman in greenish shade and color wearing a white dress and her face is made of hands and plants and an eye in between. So where is the banana in this? <laughs> so if you just zoom in, you see uh, the hand is in the shape of a banana, which is like peeled off. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Now I see <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, in different countries, banana has different colors. So there are some, you know, people who actually love to have like these um, kind of banana color. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it has quite a different but. At the same time, um, this non-Tani character in Thai culture, she's actually a fairy, fairy of banana tree. And you know, they, oh. yeah. And you know, even in India, people were like, banana could be really uh, valuable for one culture or one religion. So they gift the banana to, to the gods and goddesses, or they um, actually, eat it in order to get a more um you know um god kind of power so yeah this is what yes, i wanted to banana do. is banana is very popular in india spiritually religion wise also for day-to-day -day use we offer it to dds it's uh, have it as prasad and another fun fact is in a lot of south indian states you will see plates made out of banana leaves so Banana leaves are served and food is served on top of it. So it's every every aspect of the banana tree is used. Exactly. This is so interesting. 
thing. And if you go to African culture, they make bread and they make so many amazing things with banana. So it's so inspiring and so unique. But I wanted to, you know, bring that, like, give the light to 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 the different culture, other than Persian or Greek or things like that. They were just like, this time it's about another culture. This time I'm going to talk about, like, one thing that we don't appreciate much which is a unique fruit and at the same time a different culture which is Thai culture so that's why I decided to do it of course in Roman style that I usually do but at the same time I, I challenged myself to play with colors which I normally it's not easy for me to be honest I yes I have the power of playing with dark colors a lot but when it comes to colors like bright colors the green and pink and things like that um i have to learn more so it was also an experience it was something that i wanted to study and um i see whatever i create i see it as a as a way of studying so for me it's it's not about perfection it's it's about studying and about learning and just sharing um stories so um absolutely a lot of things <laughs> so i even i experiment with new styles if you see my work there are you you may not think of it as it done by a single artist i'm always experimenting trying new mediums trying new styles just a way to express my running thoughts in different styles so have you tried abstract and other arts have you experimented got out of the regular um you know as a kid i did and i remember um <laughs> if you remember i said like uh when i was a kid many people actually helped me and cherished me during my art journey to say many beautiful things when i when it came to my work yes they did but also at the same time some didn't and i remember i used to do a uh, i used to do fluid art version and um, the thing is, like, um, oh, my God, um, there was one person that I used to go classes uh, and she told me, no, nah, this is not art. You shouldn't do Floyd art and abstract version of playing with colors. So that gave me a really bad feeling. I felt like I'm not good enough. I'm what I've been doing. It's not good. And I should have stopped doing it. I felt really good playing with colors and combining and trying to make different ways of, um, you know, experiencing like how two mixed or three colors mixing with each other could give you actually different texture or even a different uh, shape and layers and colors, of course. And so it was amazing for me. But at some point, I like probably listened to that person who told me it's not good and that's not art and I should just stop doing it. So <laughs> that moment, I just close that door um but it's uh all the time it's part of my life maybe maybe when you ask me who's my favorite artist and i ah. said 
Jackson Pollock. Jackson Pollock, yeah. Or even when I said like uh, other, when I mentioned other artists, it's maybe maybe it's because of that. Uh, part of my heart still adores uh, artworks of, let's say, Mark Rothko or Jackson Pollock or others. <laughs> so maybe you could pay a respect to them and create an abstract and mint it as an NFT. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who knows about future? Like, look at Damien Harris. He has done so many crazy, amazing things, things that actually surprise many, many people. But yet he made that, um, you know, a spring version. And then he made the currency and also he NFT that. So he again went to you know different styles and that's the journey right that's if you go to like see other artists artworks let's even let me bring a very well-known and famous name like let's say picasso he started with a realism he started with that but look what happened to him when he got really old and if you just put uh, his artworks in different decades and compare them to, with each other. Oh my God, it's uh, it's quite a journey. So tell me, who knows what happens to me in 10 years or 20 or 30 years? I might do many crazy things and I can't wait for it. And we are totally looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. We'll be there with, in your journey and all through all the stages and it already feels exciting oh, i wish the same for you and everyone who's been listening to us um this is this is life and um we have to remind ourselves like okay it's not only about this year we have a journey to go of course we don't know what happens in future but even about now, we, we're not sure what's going to happen. So I believe like we also have a long-term plan, uh, but at the same time, we should just give time to, you know, explore things. So as I said, who knows, maybe one time I travel to Indonesia and one thing inspired me and I want to do something crazy. Look what happened to so many artists who traveled to Morocco or other places and they just lost their minds and they have done so many extraordinary things at the same time. And there is one artist, it's called Mohammad Siyah Qalam. It's an Iranian artist. He was living many centuries ago and he was doing like normal Iranian illustrations like Iranian miniature but he traveled to China and after that he just lost his mind he became another person and you can see it in his artwork because right after that he started painting unique uh, demon characters and his colors instead of becoming he was he was painting in colorful ways of you know illustrations but right after his travel all of his artworks became like uh only creamish and dark and only white only three colors that's it and it was like oh my god only demons and devil characters it's a quiet person like you must see you must check out his artworks i'm gonna I'm gonna pronounce his name one more. Mohammad Siyah 
قلم I know his name is like quite long but worse to worse to try and find him Zia so, is yeah. with a Z, Z? Zia? Yeah, uh, it's S-I-A-H Oh Interesting So who knows, this girl who's actually talking to you <laughs> in future, she might do many crazy things and I'm up for it. I'm, I'm okay. Um, I'm open for it because I believe like this is, this is what I've learned from history. This is why I'm so proud that once I studied art history because um, you know there's so many things that you cannot predict. And uh, you just have to just go with it and accept them. And you see that actually in um, ch- um, Chinese style, that they many times they try to show like in older schools they have, they show like nature as big as it is and how little we human are. So the nature is huge and we cannot do anything when it comes to nature. And um, that's why they show off all the trees and the seas and everything. They focus on nature more than humans. And this is so beautiful. But yet, me as someone who is figurative, I inspire i like respect that opinion but at the same time i believe like humanity is also really important especially for our time so maybe um this kindness that we see in a blockchain community maybe we should focus on it as well and maybe we should somehow mix our artwork with this kindness and those human who actually support us uh, because Tame, i believe like many people yes invest on us but at the same time they actually love to help others Um, and we cannot deny that. And this is so beautiful. And for someone uh, who has heard many times um, while working with, um, you know, group of people, uh, I feel like this time I felt safe working in such an environment, being uh, around and surrounded with people who who actually trying to help others so for me it's like really beautiful and such an amazing journey of course i know that good and bad people you can find them anywhere in blockchain or outside blockchain like everywhere of course um but um i can't wait for things that are going to happen to us and i believe there will be a dark tunnel in future but at the end there will be a light so i'm looking forward to that light and see what is after that dark tunnels absolutely absolutely so wonderful to hear all that i think it's now time to open the stage for our listeners to ask question bezad has been listening for a long time and we have O'Dreyer we have info well. uh, both are very dear friend of us uh, Bezad and Eva 
um yeah if they want yeah i'm i'm, I'm not sure how what is their situation <laughs> maybe they're working and maybe they're not able to talk until they, they come up i'll ask you another question so meza then ofia if you want to come you can come in any time until then i have a question for you so i have seen there's a lot of good community in nft community and it's a uh, hey everyone is helping each other everyone is happy in seeing other person's growth how do you compare this with before nft time because i have heard one artist say from us that it was it was very competitive people finding for fighting for spots to get into an art gallery and things like that so how you compare both of these um people have different experience to be honest if we talk if we want to be like um talking about the whole situation people have different experience i i believe in that but for me it wasn't such a good experience before because as i said like uh, at least uh, where i was living uh, galleries didn't appreciate the way of um, you know seeing my eyes and they didn't see and uh, they couldn't find a place for it um after some time when i started sharing my artworks uh with um you know uh international exhibitions attending for those contests i felt no they like it and some they want me to be part of them so um that was good that was really nice and many of my collectors are not iranian or not uh based on you know the actual gallery um but um to be honest um in this 10 months journey of being uh, involved with nfts i've seen many people who actually uh, respect me and my works and appreciate what i've been doing um you should have a unique test like taste because i know many people maybe don't appreciate this type of art but those who do they they not only collect one they have maybe collect two or even more they happened to me many times like my collectors many of them have collected more than one of my art for so um there in terms of range of collectors i'm not the one who can talk much because many of my collectors um love to get more than one pieces of me so i came to this conclusion that you see good and bad things here as well this is of course another word and we are in the beginning but also many people help each other so i've seen many things especially um in persian communities i would say like there is so many people with kind heart but at the same time since since many people haven't seen kindness maybe it's it's a bit hard for them to believe like someone is here just to help them you know just to you know sharing things for free sometimes it's hard for them to believe that um so it takes time for uh, for people to to synchronize themselves with the whole situation but there is still time i believe for them to find out uh more about nfts about blockchain and web trees and etc 
Um, but my experience was really good. I was invi invited to several uh, exhibitions on metaverse. I had the opportunity to have exhibitions on Decentraland and um, actually crypto voxels. And I'm going to have another one on crypto voxel um, very soon in a few days uh, after like in 6th of January, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's a group exhibitions and they actually came to me and said that so i really really appreciate it so much um for the people who actually feel like they should have exhibitions with others with different styles and uh, yeah even in our community with um with board ape ladies there's so many artists with different styles and unique ones but we all gather in one project and we try to you know um appreciate each other and value each artwork it's so beautiful and there's so many talented and kind-hearted people. So for me, it's um, it's uh, still something really beautiful. Even though I've had some hard times with um, some people, because you know, in in communities, you might uh, see. In this is this is something that I don't want to just mention about goodness and kindness and things, but we have to mention about the reality. There could be people who try to stone you, who try to somehow um, not helping you to continue your journey. It's not just about a flower and birds singing. It's not like that. You gonna have some tough time. There might be times you cannot sell your artworks there might be a time that people might actually um you know dm your collectors and say bad about you to your collectors things could happen especially when you become an influencer in uh, nft community uh, many weird things can happen uh, but at the same time i must say keep your um heart pure and believe in yourself and have the persistence and if you believe like this is you are and this is what whatever you do is good enough please continue doing so and try to grow as well as well try to grow this is really important to growing and learning more um, but at the same time, believing like, you have to make a balance between all of these things. This is just uh, some suggestion that uh, even though the time that I experienced these things are not very long, but I wanted to share this. And I think uh, during the hard times, these thoughts of a uh, beautiful future is on the way, honestly, really helped me. And there are people who actually appreciate your talent. And if you have a time of not, uh, if you're having a hard time of not be able to selling your art voice, you have to give it time. Um, maybe many people haven't seen your art voice, or maybe they don't know your stories. You have to give them your stories. And hopefully in future, you will find people who, appreciate your art voice you will find uh, your own tribe 
your own kind of people. So, yeah. Wow. That was so wise. You actually answered my next question. So that was going to be on tips on selling artwork. So you mentioned be have your own uh, style, be original. You might uh, it it might take time to reach a collector, but find your own tribe. You also portrayed a reality about everything, how everything is not so rosy, and uh, only an experienced artist who has been in this field for so long can have suggested that. So what what else could you suggest on selling and getting viewed by collectors or reaching out to collectors for a young artist or budding artist? Um, to be honest, I met in March when I joined the NFT community, we have done several crazy things because we honestly didn't know what to do. And it was like a very we wanted to everyone just told us like you have to go to twitter and be like do your own best there and things like that and we were just trying to do so but um we used to tag collectors we used to like dm them we used to do many many crazy things i remember and i'm not really proud of those things by tagging of course um thank god no one blocked me but i have some friends who got blocked by collectors um these are just some moments you know and i just don't want to show as you said i don't want to show just the good part and whatever we we have done is amazing no it's not like that we have done so many silly things as well um but and of course i believe it's a journey so we grow and learn right um so but at this moment i believe like um maybe involving with the community and with the other artists can actually help you to invest on your art first and showing that you are persistent in in your way that you are going to stay here you're not you're not gonna grab a cash and just leave if you show that if you prove that uh, i think they will value you and your artworks and not only that but also i believe like um involving not only in um nft world but also outside so you are a human make sure that you just um do things that a human does live for real so it's not just about no promise i promise you if you do that that would honestly help you so when you live like when you go to nature and travel and at the same time do your work uh if you feel better about yourself i'm sure that honestly that energy can actually affect on your work and uh, those people who come across your you know your um works and way as well so i believe like um all of these things i know i make it philosophical i'm sorry but this is who i am this is how i believe like i don't i believe so much in energy so i think like the positive energy that we have and bring with ourselves and kindness we share with the community can actually um get back to you as well so um 
when you share art, for example, those people that you actually admire or comment and talk with them, or even this culture of good morning, good night, and good evening on Twitter, uh, it's a way of communication. Many of artists are uh, might be introverts, or they're not used to be in touch with others or talk with others. I am one of them. It wasn't easy. It, it's not, honestly. I have have challenges I have and uh, some days I just want to you know take off and just be in my own cave with my own painting right Tamek if you remember our conversation about caves <laughs> that's <laughs> me <laughs> um, but at the same time I believe like when you feel okay please be in touch with other artists, but because you don't know who could be your collectors. Many artists also collect artworks and you can also collect artworks. So <laughs> this is about not uh, just taking also about giving so it's something it should be mutual and if the community finds out like you are here to stay and you wanna uh, you know um, be a better version of you, I, I, I believe they appreciate you and your talent and your work. Wow. Thank you so much for all your insights. That's uh, That being said, we have reached two and a half hour mark and it was amazing talking to you. I'm going to play some battle cries for that. my god <laughs> i'm so much looking forward to it in our um you know in your podcast of course to listen again to this two and a half hours conversation it was a pleasure thank you so much for inviting me over and i had quite a wonderful time talking to you wow i feel the same uh, feelings are very mutual i'm so glad you had you agreed to come and you're so spontaneous about this and you shared everything very freely, like just giving away all your experiences, knowledge, insight and so many amazing stories and facts from history. So all that was totally pure joy, amazing, fun. And uh, you are our honor uh, as being the first talk show guest of Rockless. So you'll always be remembered in the history of this podcast. <laughs> and and um, yes uh, thanks for coming and all to my listeners if you like what Gloria said uh, Golora said and uh, if, the, if this podcast has got value to you please check out a link tree follow her on Twitter on Instagram uh, buy her NFTs uh, you'll be a part of her journey throughout the life as an artist so yes, thank you so much once again for coming and uh, have a wonderful week, wonderful evening and I'll, be, I'll, I'll chill some my stuff as well. So <laughs> guys, if you like this podcast and like what we are doing, uh, I am Tanmay Shah. Do check out and support us by buying our NFTs. You can check out Laura's, uh, Laura Greenberger's artworks as well. All the links are in the show notes description and uh, join us for the next speaker and the next episode on Clubhouse. 
and stay in touch and uh, good night good morning good evening you all are amazing have a good time have a great day thank you golora once again thanks to all the audience thank you so much have a great day